God, give us the faith to believe your word today. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to say a word of thank you to you in this church. Every time you've given every offering that's come by and you've put something in it, you've supported Presbyterian mission workers around the world. And so you supported my wife and me, Ruth and myself, for 10 years as we worked with Presbyterians and also Catholics and also Pentecostals and lots of people who love Jesus in the Andean nation of Peru in South America. We worked uh, from the city of Lima on the coast and traveled uh, every week up into the Andean highlands. Just three hours from the city of Lima, you go up and over the continental divide. You reach an elevation of about 15,800 feet, and then you start going down. And that's where the fun starts, at that elevation. All around us, in this nation and in Peru, we see lines being drawn, lines that separate people. Maybe you've sensed them. Here in the States, we're very concerned about our property lines so that we can separate what's mine from what's yours. Even our national borders have become quite the issue these days so we can separate the us from the them. There was a time in Cincinnati, maybe still, I don't know the city well, where color lines are drawn so that some realtors can exclude certain people from certain neighborhoods. At least that was the case in my own city, Dallas, Texas. In many cultures, bloodlines are used to separate whole groups of people. They determine who you can marry, how much you can make, and what you can do with your life. For the last 10 years, Ruth and I had the privilege to work as your Presbyterian mission workers in Peru, among a people whose understanding of community is very different. In the high Andean nation of Peru, people understand it quite differently because community includes all of us together. Among Quechua-speaking people, indigenous people in the high Andes, it's considered presumptuous or even brash to speak too much in the first-person singular, I or me. It sounds like you know it all. And Andean mothers remind their children, what is it that you know that has not been given you to know by God, your ancestors, and your community? To speak in the first-person plural, we, is much more honest because so much of our own thinking, even our bright ideas, come from our interaction with the people around us, not by ourselves, sitting off in a closet. In fact, so sensitive is the Quechua ear to the nuances of community that whereas in English you and I have only one word for that first-person plural pronoun, we, in Quechua there are two, Nyohaku and Nyohanchik. Now, Nyohaku is that exclusive we. It's when I say to Mitch, hey Mitch, let's go see the Reds game, but I leave out everybody else who hears my invitation. Okay, we formed a kind of community, he and I, but what kind of a community is that if I have to exclude the rest of you to shape community. That's nyohaku, the exclusive kind of we. There's another kind of we in the Quechua language in the Andes Mountains. There's nyohanchik. Nyohanchik includes the speaker, the hearer, and everyone who hears that word. 
All people are included in Johanchik. If I had to translate that from Quechua into my native Texan, I'd call that the divine y'all come. It invites everybody who hears the voice, who hears that word of welcome and invitation, the, invita the invitation to change, to turn around and to begin to walk towards Jesus Christ. That's Nyohanchik. Now, in the first century in Palestine, you know that it was a society tightly organized around family and class and tribe. But in a word, Jesus turns all of that on its head and includes not the lovely and the best and the brightest, but all people, including those rambunctious children who never got quiet and sat still, prostitutes, tax collectors, those collaborationists who were collaborating with imperial Rome, even the zealots, those terrorists of that day, all were invited to hear the word and to follow Jesus. God's realm is not a park that has a high, high wall around it or a gated community. Rather, it's an open park with living water in the center, inviting all people to come and drink. Salvation isn't that bounded set that some of us would like to think with that high wall around it. You're either an innie or an outie. But rather, it's a large and beautiful park welcoming all of us to change our lives, to turn around, to leave selfishness behind and join in God's y'all come, Yohanchik, all of God's people together. The work that you sent Ruth and me to do 10 years ago it was important work to us. We were called to work with the Presbyterian Hunger Program, with Pentecostals, with Presbyterians, with other evangelical Christians, and many Catholics, high in the mountain town of La Oroya, a city of about 35,000 people at 11,000 feet up in the Andes Mountains. Our network worked for many years among mothers, well, fathers and children too, but mostly the mothers of a city called La Oroya, the 35,000 people had about 11,000 children among them. Now, there's a problem in La Oroya. You don't have to be there for very long before you feel it. There's a smelter, a metal smelter in that town that each day emits more than 1,000 tons of toxic emissions into the atmosphere. In that tight valley, lead and arsenic, cadmium and sulfur dioxide are rained out upon 11,000 of God's children. It's a tragic situation. Maybe an economic necessity, some would say. We've got to get the metal somehow, don't we? Well, 97.2% of La Oroya's children have lead poisoning. Some of them so badly that they should be hospitalized. In fact, all of the children in La Oroya have lead levels so high that they can lose between one and three IQ points each year that they live there. Well, you do the math. How old are your kids or grandkids? Multiply that by two, and I'll take that away from their average, and let's say that they're an average child with 100 IQ points. Friends, no one has the right to take away any of the intelligence that God gave any of God's children. And yet, in the name of good business, in the name of getting the most out of investments, the company moves forward each day emitting toxic emissions over God's children. 
So there I meet Yolanda, a Catholic church worker. Despite the danger, Yolanda dares to be mother to 11,000 children in La Oroya. Now, by the biological sense of the word, if you look it up in the dictionary, Yolanda's not a mother. She's never given birth to any kid. She's not married. But at the same time, Yolanda has done something remarkably biblical and something that changed my life forever. Because one night in a meeting, we gathered a group of pastors from the capital city of Lima, about seven of us. We gathered with a group of mothers, including uh, Yolanda. And Yolanda, as we, she listened to us, we slowly began to understand the level of the toxic emissions and the impact that it has on children, on their cognitive development, on their behavior, on their speech patterns, on their ability to learn to walk at the average age of one, like our kids do. The average kid learns to walk in La Roya at about two or two and a half. Something's very wrong in La Roya, the mother said. And one of the pastors, as it finally began to dawn on him, he said, but what would we do if these were our kids? Yolanda didn't miss a beat. She looked at him in the eyes with a lot of love than I probably could have mustered. And she said to him, but pastor, these are your children. And then we realized the power of the gospel to erase the lines that exclude, that allow me to set in my comfortable middle-class home and pretend that I don't see the images beamed into my living room by CNN or Fox News or whoever it is that I watch. In a moment, Yolanda stepped into the circle of Christ's family. Whatever the world says about her, she said, I will be mother to these children. And so things started rolling against all odds and a remarkable company that was working hard to keep the, the information that we had quiet. News of this work began to roll forward. We were able to uh, use some of the funds sent by the Presbyterian Hunger Program. Any of you who've given to the One Great Hour of Sharing helped us in that work. And we were able to pull together an environmental health study. When we started the health study, we thought, oh, maybe it'll cost seven or $8,000. So we asked the hunger program, and they said, sure, we can give you $7,000 for that. We found out that the cost for the kind of study that we needed would be somewhat over $435,000. Well, our hopes were dashed. And Yolanda and Esther and a lot of other mothers said, well, let's begin to pray. If we begin to pray, God knows that God wants this study, and so it'll happen. And so I, with a little more than uh, trepidation and a little more than doubt, began to pray with the mothers. And slowly but surely, things began to happen. We got a call from St. Louis University that had heard for some, from some Presbyterians in St. Louis, Missouri, and they wanted to help. They got in touch with their contacts at the CDC, Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, perhaps the most reputable laboratory in the world. And they said they'd never seen lead levels this high. They wanted to help that ball started rolling and that snowball began to pick up uh, weight and speed and power. Soon, media were coming and knocking at our doors asking to report on what was going on in La Oroya and what the company was doing to mitigate the damage. It wasn't just a few of the newspapers. 500 U.S. newspapers eventually reported on this crisis in the United States. Christianity Today, Vanity Fair, National Public Radio, and last December 4th, if you were watching CNN's Planet in Peril series, you saw a 20-minute special 
on the children of La Roya. Some of you are nodding your heads. All of this started because of the faith, not my faith, God knows, but the faith of Yolanda and a few mothers who knew that their children were God's children and they refused to turn their back on any of God's children. Jesus Christ invites you and me to share in Christ's mission to redraw the world and erase the lines of exclusion and include all of God's children in a beautiful circle that reaches into the depths of our own hearts. In August last year, the government fined the uh, Doe Run Company of St. Louis, Missouri, the company that owns the smelter up in La Oroya, it fined them $435,000. Ironically, the same amount that it cost the Centers for Disease Control in St. Louis University to do this study. The company in the past year has lowered its lead emissions and arsenic and cadmium. Not enough, but it's a start. And it has been a shot in the arm for people like Yolanda and Esther and many of the children and mothers and fathers of La Oroya. Imagine if this had happened to our children. Yolanda's voice reminds us, they are our children. And so La Oroya's kids are our kids. Because if the great commandment reminds us that we love our neighbors as ourselves, then we must love our neighbor's children even as we love our own children. This is the heart of mission as we step forward in faith, joining hands with Jesus Christ. We include those whom the world sold out long ago. But let's be honest. This could be pie-in-the-sky, buy-and-buy stuff. We need to land this plane in our real world, the real world that we'll walk out into this morning, back into Cincinnati. Let's admit that there's a, a massive cost to this kind of commitment. It would be so neat and nice and deeply satisfying to be able to say, oh, it's one evil company owner, another example of corporate greed in this country of ours. Let's lay all the shame and the guilt at the feet of the owner of the Doe Run smelter, who each year does make millions on that smelter. If only he would change, we could say. If only he would change, things would be different. Though it would be a simple solution and make me feel pretty good about myself, it wouldn't be true or very honest. 26 years ago, well, two days ago, Ruth and I celebrated our 26th anniversary and 26 years ago, we, cel we celebrated that day by exchanging gold bands, a ring to symbolize our perpetual commitment one to another. What do you bring as a sign of your promise? Gold, which does not tarnish, a circle, which has no beginning and no end. But what Ruth and I didn't know then is to make one gold band just that size requires somebody to dig up 60 tons of God's earth out of somebody's backyard, crush it, spray it with chemicals, some of which can never be leached back out of the soil, extract the, the gold, refine the gold in a place like La Oroya or Karachipampa, Bolivia, or Penang, Malaysia, somewhere else as we outsource our pollution to other places. The cost of living with the awareness that our every purchase, the kind of clothes that we buy, whether sweatshop or other kinds of clothes, the way that we vote, the way that we invest our money in our, even our stock, po stock portfolio. All of these 
decisions on our part have massive impact on Yolanda and Esther and our sisters and brothers around the world. The cost of living with this awareness is frankly more than I can live with. Something in me causes me to want to turn my back, draw a line, and say, enough. Turn off the TV. I don't want to read the papers. I can't handle this. But let's hear good news that comes to us from our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not alone. God calls no one to engage in God's mission alone. It's all of us together. Yohanchik. Listening as we do to God's divine y'all come, inviting each one of us, women and men, children and people of every land and nation, to be part of what God is doing to redeem this world of ours. Now the kids in La Arroya are far from out of the woods yet, but extraordinary things have happened through the way that you have prayed and given your mission dollars, to the way that people like Yolanda and Esther and many others in that city have stepped forward in faith. Well, this is just my story. I'm one of more than 200 mission workers who've worked for the Presbyterian Church in these years. But you all know other stories, and I could share with you dozens of them today. Each time that you provide support for Presbyterian missionaries around the world, you're opening up a place of God's blessing so that those snowballs of faith can begin to roll and grow larger and more powerful. What you and I have pledged to give through our local offering, through the Presbyterian women who have been doing remarkable work, opening up a fair trade corridor so, so that 250 Peruvian women can lead better lives of greater dignity and on income of more than two and a half to three times larger than they began the program with. These examples we see all around the world because of the work that you're doing in your support of Presbyterian missions and in your support through prayer. As we prepare this year to do something we have not done in 50 years, I'd ask for your particular prayers. Last year's General Assembly approved a budget that for the first time in 50 years will turn around the constant downward trend that our denomination has experienced in the number of missionaries that we send out. Last year they said, enough is enough. We want to begin to increase again the number of people that we send out into the world. I want to hear praise God out there. <laughs> and so at a time when everything in the world would encourage us to draw lines between the us and the them, even inside our own denomination, the call of Christ invites us to a common place to do God's mission as Nyohanchik, all of us together. Will you commit to pray for this initiative to turn around the downward trend of mission workers that we send out into the world so that our church can respond to more communities like the mothers of La Oroya? It will take our prayers. It will take our financial support. More than $4 million this year we're looking to raise above and beyond the budget so that we can send out more mission workers. But it will call us to accept to live in this wild and crazy multicolored world that God has placed us in, to live in. To open up the doors of our sanctuary wide open to the divine you all come. So that each person in the city of Cincinnati and around the world can find a welcome in this place. 
as they recognize themselves as part of the family of Jesus Christ together with you. These are the powerful words that come to us from Christ's example in the Gospel of Mark today. May God bless you. Amen.